We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I'm your host, Bill, season ticket holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Kruger, and we're here with your 2023 edition of the Salary Cap for Dummies. Guys, now that the NFL season's over, we can focus on what's really important: the official start of the 2023 offseason for the Buffalo Bills. Chris, I'll raise a glass to that. I will. Yeah, I will raise a glass when we get Paul on. Someone who's smart. <laughs> oh, so you won't drink with me. You'll only drink with Brainiacs. Well, I, human I, calculator. I had I'm a, insulted. I had a glass the last show we just did, so. Oh, yeah, you're too. Whoa. I've had two. Got to watch yourself here. Yeah. What happened to you, man? You've changed. No, I, no this happened a couple weeks ago with, I got a, a bottle of Jennifer. It's like a, I guess like. In within the gin family, mm-hmm. it's like when you have when you're into making cocktails. There's like something. There's like a liquor that is only called for in a handful of drinks. And so I didn't have it, and I was at the liquor store, and I saw it, and I got it, and I made Jessica a cocktail with it, and she was like, "Make that again." And then she called for a third, and I was like, "You sure?" And then she was like. What are you questioning me? And I'm like, all right, I'm just saying, I'll make you another one. Make her another one. Next day at work, I get a text. I have a massive headache. <laughs> yeah, it's a third one that puts you over the edge. Wait, so headaches? That's how you? That's how you gauge whether or not you've had too much? I mean, I three is like my limit. Three cocktails. You're a better man than me, Chris. I don't want to look like an absolute drunk. That's called alcoholism. That's called alcoholism. Yeah, I know. I think I broke through. It's it's like when it's like when you uh, like what is it? The movie Interstellar, where they're just like once you hit warp speed and you break through the wall, you actually go other places. It's like yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. No, like, I, I've already broken through the wall of hangovers. I know no longer, the rule. The, the normal laws of physics and hangovers no longer apply to me. My limit is. Three, if there's enough time in between each of them, because I don't, I just don't want to have a hangover. You know what's funny is some nights after we do these, like people, because people will comment, they go, "Wait, you mean to tell me that Drew, according to the Beer Watch Board, had 14 drinks on average a night? There's no way a human being could function like that. You got to be lying." And I go, "Guys, I don't know how to tell you this, but there's some mornings I wake up and I actually feel more refreshed than I did the day before we podcasted." That's savagery. <laughs> like I, there's like there's mornings because I, those nights I'm waking up 
and I'm getting my kid up in the middle of the night. I'm giving him a bottle and I'm doing all these things. The nights after we podcast, it's just kind of our agreement. Like, I'll take some things during the week. I'll get up, I'll do night feedings, I'll do all kinds of things. Specifically so that my wife and I can trade off in the nights I podcast, I get a full night's sleep. See, I... And so in that, I'm trading off, hey, you might not be the most sober bird on the um, face of the earth, but you get a solid seven hours of sleep. And the end result is I wake up feeling better than I do some other days of the week. I know when you have had a rough night because throughout the season we recorded on Wednesdays and Thursdays I'm off. So when I get up in the morning, I will come down here and put the other shows together and then put them in the queue for you to upload. And when you see that the other one wasn't uploaded. And then when I see the other one was not uploaded, I go, oh, here's the thing. Chris Chris had himself a night. Chris will message me and go, Oh, I see what happened. You got too buzzed and forgot to upload the show. And I go, no, no. What actually happened is far more embarrassing. It's that I couldn't figure out how to word things like not, not, not like I was screwing up the spelling, but like I would put together, I'm like, this will be funny. And then I type it out and I go, whoa, don't write that for the write up of the show. You know what? Maybe you should sleep on it. (laughs) You're full of bad ideas right now. Yeah, there's like been two or three times in the last month where I've gone to put the show in the queue for you to upload, and I'm like, oh, the one that I put in last night is still there. But by and large, Chris, over a 20-week season, I have my own. You do. So we're here talking about, we're having intelligent conversation. I'm drinking- uh, Not yet. I'm drinking Kentucky Gentleman on Ice. Because obviously this is a fancy drink for a fancy conversation. Here's what I love. That I'm seeing people in our fan base already starting to post mock drafts. Yeah, if you guys out there are doing mock drafts, be sure to tag us. Drew loves them. I just want to... <laughs> tag us, please. I'm begging you. Things. I want to just... I'll flip this table. You put a mock draft on Twitter, you tag us at <laughs> Rockpile Report. Hey... Here's the people talking about, well, I love this prospect. This guy is great. And I've got to tell you, I just can't do it. I can't get there. Like, I hate mock drafts by and large, but I really, really don't understand them this time of year. They feel like a monumental waste of time to me. I'll tell you why. 2019, the Bills go into the offseason with three glaring needs. Wide receiver. Offensive line, running back. So people went off, just on their way, you know, spending the end of February and early March pouring over draft prospects, talking about, oh, my God, there's DK Metcalf, there's this, there's that, there's all these things that could happen that we could add to our team, like, this seems like a no-brainer, blah, 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 blah. And then they watched the Bills go out and sign in free agency, a wide receiver 2A and a wide receiver 2B in Brown and Beasley sign a whole glut of offensive linemen from Mitch Morse to John Feliciano, Spencer Long, Ty Inseki. They go out and they get a, everyone's like, well, a running back's going to be a need. Well, they sign Frank Gore. It's right here, one, and then draft the defensive tackle in the first round. <laughs> like, they ignored the wide receiver position altogether. Like, what? So all of that, like all of that energy and that effort that was put into that, doesn't it in the aftermath almost feel like a waste? To you, it does. Well, because I guess to others, it's just a fun exercise. A fun exercise for what? Conjecture for the sake of conjecture. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what we're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I just to me, it's like to log into a website. I think sometimes some of them you even have to pay for to participate. Like you have to be a, like a registered user. I don't know. But even that, like if I have to enter a password to do something, you're already th- on thin ice. Like if I have to create a login for something, you're already on thin ice for me. I might not participate. Like Chris, there's there's streaming services that I stopped. Like I just won't use sometimes because I'm logged out and I don't feel like logging back in. Fubo. I have Fubo TV. Yep. The one day it logged me out. Down in our down in the bar in the basement, and I couldn't remember the password. 
I could have walked upstairs and asked Larissa what the password was, come back down and entered it. Instead, I just turned on some music and drank and looked at my phone for three hours instead <laughs> of watching TV. Because, Sounds like a good time. Because logging into the TV was an inconvenience to me. So if that's how I feel, then you can understand how a mock draft, when you you don't know the monumental changes your team could make to its makeup in advance of the draft, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, if you're the team for the Bills, who everyone's like, oh my God, offensive line's a huge problem. And then we go out and we sign two guards in free agency. Well, now all of a sudden you're going to say, okay, they're not taking an interior offensive lineman anytime soon. Yeah. It's just, it's stuff like that. So after that preseason, I swore I was done getting ahead of myself. So that makes the free agency process and the processes that are going to play out over the next handful of weeks to the Buffalo Bills of paramount importance just to the overall layout of the Bills offseason. We're going to have a ton of content coming up about that. The uh, upcoming podcast about free agency philosophy, just kind of the nuts and bolts of things, rumors as they kind of develop. Our weekly six-pack of offensive and defensive free agent prospects. Uh, shows talking about different storylines around free agency that we're in, that we enjoy for reasons both of self-interest and pettiness. But I guess that's the thing. Like, how can you figure out what a team is thinking in free agency or what their goals and who their targets might be without really understanding what their spending power is? They'd be like Mark Smith going to the casino not knowing how much cash is in his wallet. Which, since he's married, I'm assuming isn't much. Well, it's enough. He's a lawyer. <laughs> right? Lawyers make money. Damn ambulance chaser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like his retainer, like if we had to pay him a retainer, would it just be in cases of Strohs and Little Caesars? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only compensation he's getting from us right now. Yeah. Mark, if you're listening to this. I'll drop off my first installment this week. Yeah. So with that, we dig into what we know and what we think we know and what some people a lot more educated than we are know on the topic of NFL caponomics and kind of pick their brain about what they can tell us about the 2023 Buffalo Bills. Right. Isn't that what we do? If we don't know, we find people smarter than us to help discuss it with us. That's what we always do. And with that in mind, we bring back our resident salary cap nerd, human calculator, Paul Wineski from Hashtag Sports. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Paul joins us tonight, co-host of Hashtag Sports. Singer of one of the best cover bands I've ever had the pleasure of sucking down PBRs and watching play live. And I loathe almost every single cover band I've ever heard. Paul, how are you feeling tonight? <laughs> well, the whole house had strep, Drew. So uh, <laughs> that's that's what happens when you have multiple kids oh, all near school age. Dude, it's brutal. So, it's brutal. so what you're telling me is it doesn't get better from daycare to elementary school to no, no, kick them out when they're 18. That's when it gets better, Drew. That's when it gets better. Now, Paul, I want to I want to open with this question. Is it offensive if I say that cover bands, by and large, can be a giant waste of time? Oh, colossal. Total <laughs> colossal waste of time. Yeah. What, what is it that sets yours apart from others? 
so you know the one project that we're doing right now that's that's really cool um is uh a band called unplugged and all we do is the music from the mtv series unplugged that's all we do uh and that's wild stuff right because it's it's really challenging to do 50 artists or just to do one specific artist all night long uh so that band's really cool that'll be at the town ballroom march 24th um super pumped about that to be headlining town ballroom with unplugged and and it's a unique experience it's it's cool like you can go out and see a you know a band at a bar and it's fine or you can go and you know go to a venue like town ballroom and see something that's like a full-scale production like we bring in a projector so we've got tv commercials from the 90s we play mtv news clips it, we treat it like a tv show it's really really cool that's awesome i i here's what i love ever since i knew that you were involved with godspell i'm like uh-oh paul has a flair for the dramatic and he can sing <laughs> and he's, just, he's it's so it's it's been a lot of fun i've seen you perform i know that it's great where can people go to get tickets to your upcoming show uh so townballroom.com nice and easy townballroom.com guys I, I i wouldn't trust me i'm i'm not a guy who likes live music there's a handful of live music experiences i'll choose to like i went to see tool this year if i see it, if i Amazing. see another concert for the next two or three years that'll be a lot if i go to one more i would have gone to paul's if i wasn't going to be out of town for a wedding but i urge you guys to go check it out and also he does this other thing this hashtag sports thing like you know <laughs> You know, it, it's probably the second coolest thing he's known for. <laughs> sure. Because sure. I'll, you know, I'll tell you this, most cover bands, by and large, everybody listening to this show right now has heard at least one that they wish had gone full great white within the confines of their own home. Absolutely. Like, like just, just really erase themselves. You guys are fun. I enjoy it. I'm, I like the fact that you're getting out there and doing this. And I love the fact that you guys over at Hashtag Sports are still kind of, you're churning out your own unique brand of content. And again, they have you on the roster, which means that when we talk about things like salary cap, they have someone who can get into the nitty gritty of, you know, the numbers and the facts and the math and all the things that escape me on a day to day basis. Well, and the thing about that is Mario's a math teacher, so you'd think that Mario would be like the lead horse here. But no, <laughs> we'll leave it to the, the nerdy insurance guy. And, uh, and you know, I, I end up taking up all the salary cap stuff, which is fine. I, I get it. I'll fall on the sword. It's the unpopular topic. Nobody likes... Nobody likes this stuff, right? I do, but welcome to to my least listened episode of the Rock Power Report for twenty twenty three year. <laughs> well, Chris, with that, why don't we head off into the state of the bills twenty twenty three salary cap? Come on, sweetie, no, don't be a bitch. Let's talk some numbers here. The numbers, at least as far as this big dumb animal can see them, is that the Bills are entering the twenty twenty three off season with. Negative cap space. In fact, $20 million worth of negative cap space. To quote the great Forrest Gump, I'm not a smart man, but I know negative money ain't good. Now, I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but he, he might as well have. Like, let's talk about this for a second, right? Like, Because that would seem to be the precursor to a bland and uneventful offseason full of painful decisions. And yet, if we've learned anything from GM of the Saints, Mickey Loomis, the NFL salary cap, it's not a myth, but it sure as hell isn't hard and fast. Not like it seems on the surface. And teams just saw a major influx of cash, maybe the largest ever in a single offseason, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So the, the, this, the big TV deals that just went down, these big ex kind of expansions of contracts, the Amazon deal, which... How how bad did Amazon get hosed on that? Every every game that was on Amazon Prime was just the worst. Was the like worst. just the worst. I was laughing, going, "Oh my god, they paid so much money for this horseshit football." It, it was so bad. It got to us. It, there were some weeks where my wife would legitimately be like, "Hey, you know." What do you want to watch tonight? And I was like, oh, whatever. And so she'd like turn the TV on and she's like, oh, man. Like we'd open up the Prime app and she'd go, oh, man, football's on. Do you want to watch that? I was like, no, no, don't you put that on. I'll watch it when I pick a show and I'll, I guess I'll watch the fourth quarter when it's over. No, don't subject me to that. It's the it's the Broncos again. 
We don't need that in this house. We need that like we need strep, like Paul Wineski's house yeah. certainly has. Yeah. Now, with the NFL Sunday ticket deal coming with YouTube TV, upcoming, you know, like I, I saw the Dizan app is now landing a deal with the NFL f- to host the international Game Pass mm-hmm. option. Yep. Uh, upcoming league paydays, do you think that future years, maybe not this big of a jump in a single offseason in terms of available cap space, but. Do you see more bumps coming in the next two to three years? Oh, at, without a doubt, right? The NFL is the biggest, most watched product on television, in, you know, in the United States and, and ranks amongst the world in the most watched product, right? So I, I think the thing that kind of gets lost is the math makes it scalable. So from a percentage perspective, this was a massive jump, right? But as the total cap number increases, even if it's only a 10% increase or a 12% increase, you're still looking at 20 plus million dollars from here on out, like from here on out till eternity. Because the NFL, the model, it's not built to not make money, right? It's built on always generating new revenue, always generating additional revenue. Now, we all know at some point that levels out. The NFL doesn't think it's anytime soon. Uh, so, yeah, you're just going to continue to see these massive jumps and growth because the NFL is going to continue to find new ways to create uh, create revenue streams, uh, whatever it takes. They don't care. Like Buffalo's playing an international game next year, right? But Why they're is also- Buffalo playing internationally? Because it's going to make the NFL millions of dollars to put them over. Well, also, they're not just like they used to play internationally in England. Now they play. Then it was England and Mexico City. Right. Now it's England, Mexico City, Germany, and yep. they're expanding out into other. And it's like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. You're laying the foundation right. for bigger paydays and bigger paydays on down the line. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. All right. So as long as we, so so now that we know that there's going to be future money involved, we take a look at where we currently are. Bill's current salary cap situation. What does it mean to have? negative cap space (laughs) well it means you're not allowed to draft that's what it means right so you can't walk in the nfl draft with negative cap space that's a that's a no bueno that's a no fly zone uh good news is the bills are going to have about a a little less than three million dollars dedicated to their draft class okay um some teams have 11 million dollars dedicated to their draft class the Broncos traded every pick they own, so they don't even have a million dollars in draft, <laughs> draft class uh, players this season. But, you know, from the start, the, the start and finish of it is negative cap space clearly is never a thing. You're never allowed to go negative um, at any point in the, in the season, um, but except this window. This is the only time you're ever allowed to be negative. During the season, you can never make a move that makes you negative. Um, you know, after the draft, you, you can't be negative. Um, you gotta. Every move has to be submitted to the league for approval, financial approval. Is the cat? Um, well, so is the draft the deadline to where you have yeah. to be in cap? Yes. Yep. Okay. So yep. if you're negative, you can't draft. But you, so you even after draft picks. But so even after free agency, you could ink deals with like, hey, I know I'm going to make some moves, but I'd rather just sign the guys and then worry about how I'm going to get there later. So you mm-hmm. could run that number up higher as long as you know you've done the work behind the scenes to get yourself to an, uh, a passable number. Yeah, pretty much, right? The league isn't going to let you go too absolute crazy, right? But just as long as, you know, the league understands the plan, uh, a lot of times they, they really don't care, right? Big contracts make big news. Big yes. news makes viewers. Viewers <laughs> make headlines. You know how this goes. Sure. How do the Bills currently stack up cap-wise against the rest of the AFC East? Uh, do- total dumpster fire. Yep. Nope. Total dumpster fire. <laughs> no. uh, the, I think. I think the difference, though, is the Bills have a lot of money caught up in five players, right? And the really good news there is that they're players that you want to keep, and some teams don't always get that luxury, right? You look at like Arizona with DeAndre Hopkins. They Arizona wants out on DeAndre Hopkins. They paid him an, a buttload of money. They want out. But they've got this big contract. Buffalo's top five guys are Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Von Miller, Tredavious White, Deion Dawkins. You're not saying goodbye to any of those guys. No. Right? These not are at all guys that you want to keep. So even though the number looks bad, you, there's a lot of money tied up in guys that you plan on keeping anyway. Okay. So th- that makes sense. So I guess I understand how we got here. 
I mean, out of all the out of all the teams in the AFCs, we're the only one paying a franchise quarterback. What a franchise quarterback gets paid. We're the only one that's paying. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. The Dolphins are paying Tyreek Hill a pretty penny, but we have a stud wide receiver. We've also got upper echelon defensive end play, cornerback play. Okay, so this is all kind of it makes sense how we got here. Yeah, for the first time, like the Bills, for the first time in my adult life, are over the salary cap egregiously. Not just like two or three million. Like, hey, this is just some. We got to do a little fancy accounting and we'll be fine. You are on the wrong side of a whole whole star player's salary on mm. the wrong side of the cap. So I mean, even though even though we know there's relief on the horizon and we know we know about Brandon Bean's contract wizardry, I'm it's easy to see a world where I don't know, we we're still gonna have to make some choices. There's still gonna be some decisions that have to be made in order for us to get to a place where we can really conduct business. The real bitch of it all is getting to a place where the Bills have Mm -hmm. the cap space to make some moves and still feel the roster that's competitive. I mean, you and I talk about this ad nauseum both here, both in our group chat, just Mickey Loomis. Fucking Mickey Loomis. I remember the year that everyone was patting that asshole on the back because somehow he got from negative 100 million. Like... That's half of the salary cap. Uh-huh. He somehow got from a hundred negative to into cap compliance for the 2021 season. And everyone goes, hey, see, the salary cap's not real. You can do anything. That's the same team the Bills absolutely embarrassed on national television on Thanksgiving night. And that realistically, they won nine games because the rest of the NFC South sucks. You want to talk about dumpster fire? It's a whole division of terrible teams. They're so bad that even that with that pared down roster, they swept Tampa, they split with the Panthers and Falcons, and then they robbed a bunch of teams like the Jets. <laughs> the Jets are pathetic in 2021. But the price he paid is that like you're a roster that can't keep pace with anybody that has a winning record. That's it. Like, you're not a good football team. And they still haven't recovered. You saw what they were last year in 2022. In a bad division, they still couldn't find a way to beat a terrible Tampa team. How bad is Jameis Winston that he couldn't start for that team? That's my point. Like, Like, you invested How bad must he be? So, Jameis Winston can't start for you. Andy Dalton becomes your savior. Andy Dalton! And... Down the stretch, you made it interesting, but you were still bad. And guess what? They still haven't recovered. They're still somehow leading the NFL this year at negative $63 million in cap space. It's Taysom Hill, man. It's Mickey Loomis can't sleep at night unless he's overpaying a quarterback, dude. Don't you know this? Don't you know this by now? So this is the crazy thing to me. Like, like. They're not going to be competitive for at least a decade. I was telling this to Chris because, Chris, why don't you tell Paul you're fucking crazy? Tell him the crazy thing you said to me earlier. I forgot what it was. Oh, he said if Derek Carr, this is that we were we're working on a Seagram's bet on it. If Derek Carr signs with the Saints, Chris thinks that that makes them relevant. Yeah, they'll win the division. And I said, what good is that? You'll still lose a playoff game. I go, okay. Derek Carr can't win a playoff game with that team. Just making making the playoffs in the NFC South isn't good enough, is this it? Isn't, yeah, that's not an accomplishment. That's not an accomplishment. That's, someone that's has to. Accomplishment. Someone, much like Kramer from Seinfeld, has to fall ass backwards into the playoffs. It doesn't mean that you're good. You'll end up like Tampa did playing Dallas this year. Like it's not going to go well. So th- the Bills aren't quite that bad, but like. There's pain that they're going to have to endure year over year over year for all of the because people, you know, fans get hyperbolic. They say, I want to do this. and I think we can get away with this move. And I think that we could just keep kicking the can down the road. The, the Saints right now are the cautionary tale of what happens when you do that. Right. You spend seven or eight years piecing together a football team. Mm-hmm. So the Bills are going to work really hard this year to get into cap compliance. They're going to make some moves. Because I don't think Bean is quite at the Mickey Loomis level of, like, I have to sell my soul to the devil to try to win a title. Mm. 
The question is, how difficult is getting into cap compliance going to be for the Bills? And how much pain do you foresee in the, in the coming weeks? So one of the cool things that Bean did with contracts was knowing that there's a big bubble here, right? Um, he guaranteed salary for like Josh Allen, Von Miller, guaranteed salary, right? The nice thing about guaranteed salary is it's not going anywhere, right? For a player that you intend on keeping, you, guaranteed salary is just guaranteeing their money. The great thing about guaranteed salary is you can also just take that guaranteed salary, turn it into a signing bonus, spread it out across the next five years of a player's contract, and now that money's evenly distributed, right? So you go from, like, just as an example, like Von Miller, he's got a almost $14 million roster bonus, right? Von Miller's going to restructure his contract because that roster bonus is considered guaranteed money. It's actually guaranteed in his deal. When he signed it, okay. they guaranteed his roster bonus for the next year. You're going to take that 13 mil and you're going to spread it out over the rest of his contract, the next five years of his contract, right? So that's going to save you straight, what, 10 mil easy? Like you're going to take Von Miller from an, from an $18 million cap number down to seven, eight. Right. So it's not hard. There's there's actually a few contracts that are like that. Josh's contract's really no different. But where you get dicey is when you're actually looking at Matt Milano or Matt or uh, Micah Hyde's contract and going, hmm, maybe we should extend him. See, and this is where, That's where it gets, gets weird. Dicey, this right? is where things get weird. Where it's, it does get weird there. Yeah. Because people go, well, we could save a ton of money because he has like a ten point four million. I believe. I don't have a spot track yeah. in front of me. Ah, yeah. See, Chris. 10.5. Close enough, man. Chris, Close fuck enough. you. I know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> As I have a whiskey and two beers in front of me. Uh, I may not know much, but sometimes I, I recall. That's all it is. Micah Hyde. People look at that and go, well, you know, if you just gave him another year or two. Look at what mm-hmm. we're doing with Jordan Poyer. The word on the street now is that Bean never gave him a number. Yeah. That that seems like one of those conversations where it was like, hey, whatever your number is, we're not paying it. Because yeah. so we, we had know. some inside we had some inside information on that during the season, but it's one of those things where, you know, we over at hashtag, we're not gonna just blurt out something that we're pretty sure, sure of. We had a pretty solid source on that that said Jordan Boyer was very frustrated very frustrated, would not resign with Buffalo. They didn't give him a number. They didn't counter. They had no interest in giving him a new contract. It was one of those, yeah, well, you signed a deal, so we'll see you next year. Right? Yeah. That's it, you know? And that's it's tough when you hear that for a player that is so foundational, but at the same token... You you have to be cold. You have to. You have to be cold if you're a GM. Right. Because Buffalo has unfortunately lived off their, you know, ability to recall players that they were already familiar with. Like Jordan Phillips, Shaq Lawson, you know, like Cole Beasley, John Brown. These guys were available, right? Like, can I ask you a question? You can't do that every year. You have to draft players. You can't just keep resigning guys. This is true. Can I ask you a question? Do you think it's Bean's like slight Southern drawl, like unoffensive Southern drawl, that makes it possible for him to have those conversations and not come across like a complete asshole? Oh, no. I think with Jordan Poirier, he came off like a complete asshole. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Yeah. I just like how we, we actually talked about it in the uh, show that aired yesterday about this idea that like Bean – during training camp said a lot of things that made us all believe as fans like, oh, he's talking to Drew Rosenhaus. He's like, I've had a lot of conversations with Drew. He and I have a great relationship. We do. Apparently, it didn't mean talking about Jordan Boyer. What were you talking about? The fucking weather? It didn't matter, though, because it placated a fan base that ultimately right. needed to hear that. And just it needed. And Jordan Poyer was a consummate professional. I give him a lot of credit for that because I don't know if I have that much like God. I don't know if I have the composure for that. Well, there were also some games where you looked at Poyer and you're like, okay, you're sitting this one out. I know you're hurt, right? But maybe you're just like a little extra hurt because you know Buffalo's going to be fucking mutilated in the secondary without you in this game. But also, the thing about McDermott and Bean when they talk in public is they're never telling you not the truth. But remember, Drew Rosenhaus is probably going to represent three of the top 20 draft picks in the NFL draft this yes. year. And that's pretty usual. So 
yeah, Bean has lots of conversations with Drew Rose. Exactly. So he didn't year. lie to you. He just exactly. So when you think about guys who might fit this mold, you know, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, they don't fit that role of just like, hey, right. resign him and kick a bunch of money down the road because that's how you end up like the Saints. Why? Who are some candidates that you think might fit that? So first off, I, I think we have to call out the elephant in the room is the bills are you know, 16, 18 million dollars, depending on where you look uh, over the cap with and that's without Tremaine Edmonds. Right. And the bills were one of the worst pass defenses last year without <laughs> Tremaine Edmonds. Yes. Oh, I think so, uh, we, we were talking about it in the last show. I uh, cover one sports is Ryan Sullivan put out the uh, he had the tweet. He's like Tremaine Edmonds is a two-point difference in EPA for our defense when he's there and when he's not. Yeah, massive number, right? Absolute massive number. But hey, if you you listen to the guys who call it a WGR, he doesn't do enough. No, right. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's frustrating. I will say that there are times where he's frustrating, right? Because he's so athletic. He's such a freak. You just expect the world from him. And at the money he's going to get, like, I know it's, it's funny to me watching... You know, watching posts go out and saying, oh, Tremaine Edmonds is market numbers, $15 million. Tremaine Edmonds is going to be walking into his age 25 season with five years in the league. You think he's only getting $15 million? Yeah. Roquan Smith got $20 million a year. There is absolutely no way Tremaine Edmonds doesn't sign a $100 million contract somewhere. Yeah. It, it's going to be a hundred mil. Yeah. And that's what going to be what it is, right? So the question is, one, if you're Buffalo, are you, are you biting on that? But two, I think this offseason show, well, this postseason showed them that the, like, you have to invest in your offense. The time to yep. invest in your defense is over, right? You've done that. It, the time for that is, is over. You need to start letting those resources age out and you need to start drafting to replace. And does that mean Tremaine? I mean, I don't know how you can replace him. That's <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't know how know. you replace that thing. I, right, exactly. But like from free agents, I mean, you're going to see Buffalo spend money on a on a guard, like think, but like decent money, not like let's sign seven guards and let them Craigslist back alley knife fight over two <laughs> roster spots. We're talking like actual signing of a guard because yeah. they have to, right? They yes. they have to make that investment in the offensive line. They can't afford not to. But you know, think of it this way, right? The last guard Buffalo drafted. Do you know who it is? Andy Levitre. I was going to say it's probably when they no. had Eric Wood and Andy, Le- Andy Levitre. No. No. In the Sean McDermott Oh, no, era, John Miller. No. The last guard drafted was Wyatt Teller. Oh, shit. Who's okay. now in his second contract. Okay. All right. That's how you. that's how long ago this was. Okay. You know what I mean? Like that's they don't they don't that was the last uh, that was the last guard drafted. And it was what sixth, fifth, sixth round pick. Yeah, like, sixth round pick. And that was the only one. That's it. Yeah. There, there were no before and none after. Well, and this is I've been battling people online, which not even battling, just trying to have conversations where people go. When you guys, just a disclaimer out there: if you ever approach me with this kind of mindset of, "Hey, it's e- it should be easy to draft interior offensive linemen in the middle rounds." Guess what? First of all, nothing's easy. If it no. was easy, Paul would already be doing it. Like, Paul would already be drafting, <laughs> and he would be managing a salary cap somewhere in the NFL. It's not that simple. Chris just put up Tremaine Edmonds' Spotrack calculated market value. Yeah. It says $11 million. It's a joke. This what is my point. Joke. Like, this is where, like, these are the people. There's fans who go check these resources, and then they come back, and they go, well, I read a thing online, so it must be true. You don't yeah. know what you're talking This is crazy. To your point, what you're saying here, there's no one on the defense right now who you want to try to extend and re- because that's not what we're trying to do here. Right. This team needs to shift its focus and kind of change its identity because what we've been doing hasn't been working. And also, you can't keep putting resources into a unit that doesn't benefit the highest paid player on your fucking team. Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. And and one of the things that you run in the risk of is Buffalo's had a top five scoring defense in what, four of the last five years? Where does it right? go in the top- playoffs? Exactly. Right. <laughs> Where right. does that go in the playoffs? That's exactly. That is exactly right. You know, like if you watch the Super Bowl, there was what, one illegal hands to the face call and yep. it was on Indomitian Sue. Like other there were street crimes happening on that on both <laughs> offensive lines. 
Like you got it. <laughs> Yes. You got to like reinvest what you're doing into skill position players yes. and into foundational players. And the biggest foundational piece you have is Josh Allen and you can't protect him. No, look, look at this. No good. Look, look, look at this. If you want to talk about the way the AFC shook out, the thing Miami did to close the gap was bringing an offensive minded head coach. Yep. And now you have two star wide receivers. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's the only change they made to that team. Yep. Foundationally, like their free agents, a lot of them fizzled out. They traded for Nick uh, for Chubb. He got hurt. Like they did a lot of things to try to be different, and it didn't make a real difference. Right. What did was the fact that all of a sudden you could run these streak passes down the field and throw into open windows and generate yards after the catch, and all of a sudden their offense went from being stagnant and a joke to being one of the most threatening things in football. Right. And it almost beat the it beat the Bills once, almost beat us twice. Like that's the difference. And guess what? All that money, all that all that investment in the in the defense, where was that when Miami came knocking? It literally took our quarterback being superhuman in both games to pull off a victory. Right. If that's not exhibit A as to why you need to be shifting your investment, I don't know what it is. Right. Yeah, absolutely true. And and the truth of the matter is, Drew, you know, you got to do it in creative ways because, like, I, I'm I'm a big, big fan of Clear Shakur. Like, I cannot yes! wait to watch him develop. I can't <laughs> wait. But, you know, watching a player like Gabe Davis, it is it reminds you that you have to keep putting coins in. Yes. The, you know, you keep putting coins in the slot machine. Right. Because don't get me wrong like i uh, people can get mad over the justin jefferson thing right you can get mad but don't forget adam thielen's about to lose his job this offseason because yep. they can't afford to keep him because they need to keep justin jefferson right yep. so th- for those people who are saying oh well buffalo will just add a veteran wide receiver well you're adam thielen's about to hit the market yeah right that if he's about to hit the market so if you're interested in vet receivers then adam thielen's going to be a guy other than that just start throwing coins in, right? Because yep. you need faster, uh, quicker players because the NFL has proven that they protect quarterbacks and they protect receivers. You you need to leverage that, and this team hasn't done it. They've kind of always brought in those veteran-wide receivers, and that's fine for this year, but that doesn't help you when you have a $45 million quarterback. It, no. it doesn't help. No. Now, let's – Josh Allen's contract – Bonus conversion versus traditional restructure. I know yep. there's some money to be moved around with Allen. First of all, Allen's never leaving. They're not going to let him. Right. So a restructure on its face opens up like $21 million. It almost gets us to flush on its own. Right. But that'll make future seasons a lot more rigid. And I don't think that that's what Bean had in mind when he put Josh Allen's contract on paper. I disagree a little bit, right? And the reason I disagree is because a lot of that money is done in roster bonuses, future roster bonuses. Because remember, when you sign a contract... So you could accelerate that? What was that? So could he accelerate those future bonuses and just say, look, we're going to... You can move them. You can move them. Okay. Yeah. like So I'll give you an example, right? So signing bonuses are only drawn out over the first five years of a contract, right? Allen's contract was a lot longer than that, so... For the next three years, Allen's contract will be restructured every season because there's empty years in those bonus category, right? Okay. So like in 2027, there's no signing bonus money because that was the sixth year, right? So every year, you're going to restructure for the next three years, right? Because there's empty there's empty years in bonus money. Okay. So that creates gaps, right? Now, the difference is what Bean did was he put really large roster bonuses in there, Right. But roster bonuses aren't guaranteed. You can renegotiate them at any time. You could take a chunk of them and, you know, uh, make that a signing bonus. You could say, listen, maybe not 25 mil, but let's do, you know, 15 mil plus over the next three seasons, right? You could totally restructure. It's not guaranteed. So, um, you could move that money around wherever. Um, so that Josh Allen's contract was made to be restructured specifically the next three years. Oh, and see now, now that you're saying that Chris, because I have, I have my own like JRE version of Jamie. He's just put Josh Allen's entire contract structure on the screen for me from so, Spot Trek. So I'm looking at this while you're talking about it and you're right. Like there is room to shuffle some of this stuff around. Now, mm-hmm. 
how much do you foresee them opening up with him this offseason? So, I mean, it, it really, really, really depends on how aggressive you want to get because you start looking at age 29 and 30 seasons and you're talking like 60. Uh, key, if you do this wrong, you'll have a $60 million <laughs> Josh Allen in 2025. Um, but again, if you think about it, Drew, right? Let's say you push, um, let's say you take Josh's entire base salary, his entire base salary divided by five. Okay. Right? Okay. So basically, Josh Allen's cap number goes from being near $40 million to being what he'd be a $17 million player. Okay. Right? Okay. So let's just say we do that. That means you're making every year after that more expensive. Mm-hmm. But is it more expensive than the salary cap increasing? Well, exactly. And that that's why right. I, I kind of led with that is this right. idea that even though you're shuffling that money on down the road, there's more relief coming every single year. So realistically, he's playing the market. Right. Yep. The goal is to keep him at a stagnant percentage number, right? The the dollar doesn't matter. Yes. Right? Like just he's in the contract. Percentage. He's gonna be he's gonna be at least sixteen percent of your team's salary cap every year, pretty much, right? The goal is maybe in a couple of years you want to try and get it below that. Maybe a couple of years you have to get it maybe just a little bit above that. But if you can keep them around 15, 16% of your salary cap, you're doing a great job managing your franchise quarterback's contract. Now let's talk about two more controversial moves. Because uh, this is things that I hear, again, I hear idiots on the radio. And I see people on Twitter, and I, I just, I hope... Guys, don't get offended if if our listeners, because listen, you're like me. If you're listening to this podcast, you're a hyperbolic hard drinker. I understand. You might cut loose. You might have some wild things to say. The Trey White restructure idea and the trade of Ed Oliver. Now, Mm -hmm. I'll start with this. I think the Trey White restructuring, touching his contract seems like a bad idea. I think that watching a cornerback come off an ACL injury where you spend most of the year just trying to find yourself you restructure his deal and it only nets you $5 million in cap relief, but it, it like now you're tied to him through 2026. You can't, you can't offload him at any point. Right. And, and mind you, I'm not trying to doubt the player. I'm not saying I don't think he can rebound, but if I'm trying to be shrewd, like the cold motherfucker that Brandon Bean is when it came to Jordan Poyer saying, listen, yeah. I know you're a guy that this team has rallied around for how long? Oh, there, Chris already has the numbers in front of me. Like he already has a potential out in 2024. You, yep. you by nature of his current contract construction, have the ability to, if he does not rebound from his ACL tear, get out of this deal next year for very little harm. Right. And, yeah, and, and that's I, and that's just being shrewd. Right. Well, and I I think the litmus test there is you look at the first ten games without him, and say. Mm, how bad was that? Yeah. Right. Like really how, how bad was that? You say, and, tr- and I agree with you, yeah. you know, it, Trey, when he came back, uh, anybody coming back from an ACL tear, you're not going to have explosion. You know, you're, you're not going to have strength as much as you rehab, right? It, it's a process and it takes a long time. I would be shocked if they restructured Trey's deal for yes. that exact same reason. There's, there's not enough benefit to it. To get a little bit of money, right? You can get a lot more bang for your buck out of Von Miller, who you are actually physically tied to for the next three seasons, regardless of what he does. Exactly. You know, like you've already made that deal with the devil. You know what it is. You've already committed to the idea. I'm going to shuffle this money around. Trey White's a guy who you and I'm sure his agent has made Trey White painfully aware of the fact that, like, hey, this offseason, you really need to put in the work because the bills, if you don't rebound, Let's say mm-hmm. your average subpar, if you don't perform up to your contract, a team that already has a bona fide quarterback that they know can take them places every single season could move on from a cornerback and he mm-hmm. won't be pilloried. He won't be right. pilloried by the fan base for it. There'll be rumblings of discontent, but it won't upset the apple cart. Mm, that's right. So you don't want to do the restructure of Trey White. Also, this mm-hmm. trade of Ed Oliver. It's oh, highly improbable, oh. but it makes, I mean, it's one of those things where it makes sense, right? Yeah. It would open get, $10 million dollars in cap space, but I, I also, get I get the logic, but this isn't Madden. This isn't like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to find a team that's just going to take Ed Oliver. 
There's no forced trade button, man. Yeah, There's well, no forced trade button. Not only not the forced trade button, but it's also if you're a real human being, like Paul, if I were to try to negotiate something with you, if I were to say, look, let's trade co-hosts, okay? I Mario and I used to Mario and I used to <laughs> battle. There was a period of time where, like, there was a brief period of time where Mario and I were going to kill each other. Yeah, but I want him as my co-host. I need him. I gotta have him. In return, I will give you. This producer who makes cocktails and he's got great hair and he knows studio equipment like the back of his hands, like stuff, you know what I mean? He can do stuff that you currently don't have. Let me just, just take him, just take him, give me him and I'll, I'll throw in some insulary thing. You're going to call bullshit on that. You're going to go, Absolutely. what's, you're going to go, what's wrong with this? Why, yeah. why am I taking credit? And I go, oh, well, he has a shitty personality. And also he wears <laughs> Chelsea boots inside the house. He's inside of his own house wearing Chelsea boots, designer boots in his own house. I've got them on now. It's infuriating. Yeah. And crippling credit card debt. Yes. Right? Like that's. Yeah. yeah like I also he's got a right. bad credit score and a pending divorce. Like this is. <laughs> so this is what we're talking about. Right. No yeah. one's going to do you a favor here. No. <laughs> right. And I think, you know, and here's the problem that you run into with, there was a slight rule change three-ish seasons ago um, about the fifth-year option. Before, the fifth-year option, the team could pick it up and then decline it at any, at any point. If they just said, fuck it, we don't want them, they could just <laughs> decline it. Like the franchise um, tag was- where the team was like, hey, we could do it, and then just be like, fuck you, you're out. That's exactly right. You could do the same thing with a fifth-year option. You could you could commit to the player with a fifth-year option, and then you know at some point during the season be like, you know what, this guy's really fucking suck ass. Let's not. Yeah, we're just gonna drop that option. That that's not true anymore. So now when you offer that fifth-year option, it's guaranteed. You have it, right? Guaranteed. You have it. So it's Ed Oliver is guaranteed. You cannot get rid of this. So the unless some team loves him is enough to give him. him a, well, that's what I was going to say. So unless the only way you trade him is if some team loves him so much that they want to extend him. But why? But why would why you would need a leg that? up on at Oliver on the free agent market? Right. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, why would you need that? Hey, you're talking about a receiver. You're talking about a quarterback. Different story. You're talking about. Ed Oliver. I mean, I mean, I'll say no, this. Jeff, I like Ed Oliver as Jeff, a player, but yeah. no, no teams, no teams that hard up for a defensive tackle. Jeff Pollock's a buddy of mine who uh, he and I have discussed this over beers and over mid-game texts. Ed Oliver had a lot of great moments this season. He showed a he showed a lot of the reason why you'd want him on a fifth year option. Yeah, but when Jordan Phillips was healthy, I almost feel like Jordan Phillips was the most impactful three tech on our team. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. so I get why the Bills would want to offload him. I just don't understand why anyone else would take him at that number. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you only paid Jordan Phillips eight million. If Jordan Phillips isn't worth eight million coming off of an injury riddled year, why would Ed Oliver be worth ten? And mm-hmm. why would some other team pay that? Right. <laughs> so I right. feel like the, this idea that people are like, well, you could just do this and that. Again, this isn't the Spotrac calculator. That's not how GMing works. Nope. So then you get to the really ugly part of cap relief that I hate talking about. It's where I start to get visions of those Saints teams, you know, that we watch get bullied around the field for the last two years. If it came down to cutting a player for cap relief, let's talk about who some of the who some of the primary candidates are. Matt Barkley sticks out to me. I feel like you could at this point, Chris, you did the Case Keenum thing. Yeah, you had an opportunity to play him. When Josh Allen literally, like, people were debating, is his UCL torn? Is it partially torn? Is it whatever? Elf Artiaga from uh, Three Yards Per Carry came on our show and was like, I tore my UCL when I was a third baseman in collegiate baseball, and I couldn't throw from third to first anymore. <laughs> so they had to move me to second just so I could keep playing. Right. And then here comes Josh Allen, and they started him over Case Keenum. I go, that's mm-hmm. it. That's all I need to see. They they do not trust a backup quarterback, no matter what it nope. is. They'll never nope. they'll never take Josh off the field if he and will Josh ever say, "Hey, I can't go." No, Josh never. is it, or else our season's over. So that's if right. that's the idea, and you can save almost a million by cutting Matt Barkley, wouldn't you? And just replace yeah, him with I'm- somebody. I don't think there's a value to having a super veteran quarterback anymore than, you know, like there's just no value there. Right. 
Um, and really when you start like pulling it back, right? Don't forget that you might see people that are counting towards the bill salary cap that aren't there anymore. So like Roger Saffold's counting two million. Sure. He's not actually on He's the team. He's not actually there. Right. Yeah. It's, it, they were voided years. Like Jordan Phillips is on there for, I think like 1.2 million. He's not <laughs> on the team either. Right. Yeah. But you get to like Isaiah McKenzie. Yes. Let's Deuces. talk about him because he might be, well, because this is the thing. Like there's a lot of players here. There's Tim Settle who I say, hey, listen, there's some guys cutting Tim Settle, even though he was super excited, he had a great press conference, everyone loved him, wasn't super impactful, and at the right. same time, we saved two and a half, uh, $2.25 million. and at the same time, there are young players in this draft on the defensive line in the second, third round range that can do what Tim Settle does. Right. Like, that's it. I could get younger and cheaper and cost controlled for four more years. Sign me up for that over more of Tim Settle. Right. AJ Epinesa, even though this seems like I'm, sp- I'm now I'm kind of splitting hairs because he had a six sack season finally, but once again became a fucking wallflower when games mattered. Mm-hmm. He's, he's an opportunistic player who isn't terrible. He has a place in the NFL. I just don't think it's on the bills roster as yep. a guy who you can ever depend on for anything. Yep. You save 1.4, which isn't huge. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. That one's kind of on the fence. But Isaiah McKenzie, no impact as a wide receiver in 2021. I was in- so frustrated to see him on the on the roster dude, in 2022, dude. He, I was so mad. One of my one of my biggest frustrations with the Bills was the marginalization of Khalil Shakir over this guy, who mm-hmm. like when you dig into the fine metrics. Negative yards above expected per next gen stats, which is terrible for a wide receiver who doesn't get open down the field. You're supposed to be the open field threat. Like when I get you the ball in space, you're supposed to get yards. Instead, you got fewer than expected whenever we pass to you, and yet you had the lowest average depth of target on the team. Mm. That's fucking terrible. You're yep. a satellite target that performs less than a running backs. You you don't have a value in that role. But then also on special teams, you lost your job to Naheem Himes. Mm-hmm. Like well, <laughs> Naheem Himes is another player that, like, he's expensive. He's 4.7 mil, and honestly, he's free to cut. So, so and this is it. So you're, you're looking at this, and you're saying to yourself, I've got Naheem Himes, I've got Isaiah McKenzie, 2.6, what, what is he, uh, what does that save us, Chris? Yeah, zero dead cap. What's, mm-hmm. what's his current cap hit? Another two? Right there. What, Naheem Himes? Yeah. Four point seven. So right there's six million dollars that you're yeah. giving me back in a season right. where I need skill players and I might mm-hmm. have to go get a guy like a Philip Dorsett or I have to try to go bargain shopping for a couple skill players to make some things happen. I just feel like you could take two guys who your team didn't feel like they needed to use. Now Heinz, I feel like got a raw deal. Yeah, I agree. He's got I tools. Agree. We didn't utilize him. But also, if you're talking about what he costs, it's one of those things where it's like the, it's like both of them get the Beasley situation where it's like, look, I like you, just not at number X. So go right. see if somebody else likes you at that number and come back and talk to me, because if not, you're out. <laughs> well, Drew, I want to caution here. Right. So since the Sean McDermott era, the Bills have drafted seven receivers. Only two of them remain on the team because they well, one of them. And again, I, I kind of speculate that this might almost be Chad because because you think about I've I've long speculated and we could get into an hour long thing about this, Paul. I feel like I've had you on here for an hour, literally. It has almost been an hour. It yeah. almost been an hour after I told you it was going to be thirty five minutes. Here's what I'll say: I think Sean McDermott really leans on his staff. The things I point to: Rick Dennison. Rick Dennison got fired the day the season ended. Right, like as soon as the league year started, he fired Rick Dennison into the sun. Yep. Reason being is because I believe Rick Dennison was a cardinal figure in the Nate Peterman debacle. Uh-huh. I think that that embarrassment happened because Rick Dennison was a cardinal figure. He didn't have a quarterback coach he trusted, and he said, "Hey," and Rick Dennison was saying, "Look, I have an offense. This Tyrod Taylor's not running it. I think I can open up the passing game more if you give me another quarterback." And they said, "Okay, well, we like Nate Peterman." He's a rookie, but let's let him see what he does. You saw what he did. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Like, this happens. Now he fires that guy. 
now you've got a Chad Hall. And he goes, Chad Hall, you're my wide receiver guy. Who's good? Who can I trust? What are you seeing in practices? Who looks good? Who looks who's who's doing the things? And meanwhile, we're bumbling our way through Isaiah McKenzie and Isaiah Hodgins is languishing and then he leaves and he explodes somewhere else. And then the team doesn't seem to fight very hard to keep him. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. I, think, I was not upset to see Chad Hall go. I think I, he I really blames his it. staff. When, when things like this happen, I think McDermott blames his staff for it to a degree. And you're the guy giving me the feedback. You're the guy who manages that, de- that department. So how much of that is Chad Hall's fault? I mean, Mark brought- Stevenson, you know, like <laughs> at some at some point you got to look at the decision makers. But you know? that's like, also true. Yeah. yeah. You can't keep drafting guys in the fifth, sixth, seventh exactly. round and go, yeah. hey, You're not talking real resources. Here, yes. You know, the team is also to blame. But I also look at stuff like that and I go, Hodgin should have probably gotten a fair shake at some point. Oh, it was clear that he should have. Yeah, it was so, clear that he should have. And and really, Taiwan Jones is the reason Isaiah Hodges is gone because they could have cut Taiwan Jones, who, by the way, is the oldest free agent, uh, pending free agent running back in the league right now. You could have cut Taiwan Jones for a day. Nobody would have touched him and uh, kept Isaiah Hodges on the roster when you had mm-hmm. to make the corresponding move to bring Trey White back. Right. Mm-hmm. That's all this happened right around the same time. Yes. And you decided that Isaiah Hodges was more expendable, knowing that Brian Dable was in New York with fucking no receivers healthy. <laughs> like, it was so shocking to me to see him put on waivers. This moment I saw the roster waiver move, I was, he's gone. He's gone. He's gone. It's one of the things we'll talk about next week with Nate Geary when we talk about free agency philosophy and just philosophy overall. Is right. this insistence on special teams. That Sean McDermott loves that oh makes God. no fucking sense. No, nope. uh, thank God Tyler Matakavich is gone, but who knows who he'll resign to? Either way, there's moves that they can make there, but there's going to be some pain. There's going to be some guys who get cut ultimately. I don't think there's uh, how many guys do you think will really ruffle feathers amongst the fan base in terms of None. that's it. I don't None. think there's anybody who the team there's going to be releases. I don't think anyone will cry about them, right. So with all these various mechanics, both reasonable and unreasonable, here's the literal million-dollar question. What's the max cap space the Bills could really open if they had to, and what's a reasonable number to expect? So to to answer the second question first, um, Buffalo isn't going to tip their free agent hand because one of the cool things that they do is they only want to free up as much money as they need. Right. And they've got a lot of money that they could free up pretty quickly with players that would absolutely just sign whatever they told them to as far as the restructure, because it's all guaranteed salary to them anyway. Right. They're either going to get the check today or they're going to get it across 17 weeks. So they don't they don't care. Right. Um, So Buffalo's probably going to walk in with amongst the fewest free agent dollars. Right. Because what they'll do is they'll offer contracts and then when they need that corresponding move, they'll do it. Right. They'll do it um, with the signing. They'll, they'll do that corresponding move to free up that cap space. Buffalo has the advantage here of just they just have to eke under the salary cap right now and then go into free agent. You can big dick swing all you want right? because <laughs> you you do have a lot of money that you could free up. Buffalo realistically could walk in if they really wanted to with probably close to forty five million dollars in cap space. Right. But but. 2025 called and told you to quit it the fuck out. Yeah, because exactly. you should not be doing that. But you you really could get there if, if you absolutely wanted to. But strategically, it doesn't make sense. And everybody thinks you don't have money anyway. So why would you free up money proactively for free agency? That's not being style. He'll keep it real close to the vest. And, and often when you see somebody sign, you'll or you hear somebody signing. Oh, shocker. Von Miller turned his roster bonus into a signing bonus. You know, oh, shocker. You know, um, uh, Deion Dawkins converted $6 million of his salary to signing bonus. You know, oh, shocker. Josh Allen is, you know, <laughs> going to, you know, turn his base salary into a, into a signing bonus. That You're going to see those moves happen in, in corresponding fashion. I I can't wait 
And now I kind of like the way you're characterizing this because you actually said the way you spelled it out has me fired up. I don't know if it's the whiskey or just the way that you have of describing all of this. But I f- now I feel kind of almost cocky where I'm like my GM is just out here, <laughs> where I'm like my GM is out here trying to sneak up on people. He's just like, look, I could yeah. get onto this. Instead, I'm going to stay here being like, listen, guys, we have no money. We're not going to be players in free agency. And quietly, he's just back channeling. Yeah. Just being. That's it. Just, listen, it sucks when it bites Jordan Poyer in the ass when your GM is kind of snaky. But also, if it makes you a winning football team, you as a fan don't care, do you? No. Not at all. You just got to sprinkle some of that magic cap dust on it. Whatever it is, <laughs> sprinkle that magic cap dust on it. It's, it's the equivalent to pouring Robitussin on it. You know, uh-huh. that's. Paul, I love you. Thank you for doing this with us once again. Every year oh, you every come year. in here, you enlighten us heathens as to the ways of the salary cap and the situation. It would have been nice to have you here in or the new studio that we've been using, but... It's good I, that I'm not, guys. Well, yeah, it's, well, it's wise that I'm not. It, yeah, you, you are sick, but you also live in Lockport, so... I mean, I don't even know if the NFTA goes up to Lockport, but <laughs> do, do you hear this? See, this is what I mean. The, the slander yeah. that Chris yeah. has. From the it's, Lock, it's Lockport. <laughs> it's trash. Paul, I love you. I know. Regardless of what Chris says, I love you. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff over at Hashtag Sports? And again, talk about your gig coming up here. Yeah, sure. Uh, so hashtag sports uh, on YouTube, on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. We have all those things. I don't know. Wait, what wait you have are. TikTok? Tell we me that TikTok. Tell me we that Mario's TikTok. not out here doing silhouette challenges because, listen, eight, time has not treated him well. You can tell him I said that. <laughs> yeah, that movie screen keeps getting wider on that forehead, doesn't it? So, uh, yeah, we have all of those. I have no earthly idea what we do with any of them. Uh, occasionally, I will post something on them just to remind myself that they exist. Um, and uh, you can find us at hagsports.com for all our articles. We're actually writing 32 teams in 32 days, getting ready for the NFL draft, breaking out every team. Um, and then on top of that, March 24th at the Town Ballroom, you can catch me headlining Unplugged. It's the tribute to the Music Event TV. We're doing Allison Chain's Unplugged set to open. Oh, no yeah. shit. Come on. Yeah. Into yeah. the flood again. Yeah. Oh, and then, my God. Uh, and then all grunge music after that. So Nirvana, Pearl Jam, like all those afterwards. That's amazing. Yeah, well, sad you're gonna miss it, Drew. I know, I'm pissed. It. I'm gonna be in Maryland for a fucking wedding, and my wife was like, "What's the date on it?" March 24th. March Friday. Mar- oh, it's a Friday yeah. night. Yes, sir. Chris. Chris, go. Chris, I might, go. I might go. Although I might also have to watch Paint Dry, but Dude, fuck you. <laughs> go watch his band. I can't. I gotta go to Maryland for a wedding, and my wife. She goes, "Oh no, me and my cousins are gonna meet at a bar." In Maryland, near the coast, and I go. Oh well, it's Maryland. They're crab. Go hang out with Jake. There'll be crab, and she goes. Oh no, this is like a pizza joint. I was like, I will fucking snap. I will. I was like, you and your cousins can go hang out wherever the fuck you want. I will Uber alone to the nearest crab shack and eat until I can't walk. That's right. Fuck you. Oh, Paul, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Chris? Yep. Calling for the mic. What do you got? I don't have anything. Oh, you're just saying out? Yeah. Look at him gesturing at me, and I'm just over here bumbling. Wrap it up. Wrap, Chris, this is the wrap it up sign. Wrap right? it up. Paul, you're, you're seeing me on camera. Yeah, this is fact. the wrap it up sign. Wrap it up. Fact. Guys, I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Paul Wineski of Hashtag Sports. And this has been your Rock Ball Report. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.